This is episode 52 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Crystal Kelly. Crystal is a true equestrian adventuress. Originally from California, Crystal left the USA in 2010 to begin her career working abroad with horses. Since then, she's traveled to more than 60 countries and has worked in over 20 countries on six continents with horses. She's worked with horses in places such as India, Egypt, Romania, Belgium, Italy, Indonesia, and many others. She is the founder of Equestrian Adventuresses, the tribe for women who love horses, travel, and adventure, and is a professional podcaster, YouTuber, public speaker, author, and coach. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi everyone, welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight. Today I am so excited to speak with Crystal Kelly. Hi Crystal, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Of course, and today's show is going to be really exciting because Crystal travels all across, all across the, the globe working with horses and I can't wait to dive into this and learn more about uh, the books about what she does, but also exactly where she goes and what she does. So let's get into the <laughs> first question I always like to ask, which is, you know, the obvious one, how did your love affair with horses begin, Crystal? I've always loved horses. And it's funny because my parents don't really know where I got it from. Like, they didn't have horses. I didn't have horses growing up. But my mother, she actually took me on one of those, you know, little pony rides, like they're just in a circle. And I was probably two or something. And I was like the only two year old child with like this biggest smile on my face. So after that, I mean, it was horses and only horses. They had to buy me every single horsey book and every horsey movie. And yeah, I was just, I was gone. So yeah, <laughs> that's definitely where it started. Yeah, it, that's so, it sounds like a lot of us that have come on the show and talked about their love of horses. It's just sort of, we're born with it and our parents often don't know where it comes from. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And most people, they assume like, oh, you know, you've always had horses. Like, uh, no, but I'm like it's just part of my blood. I, I can't explain it. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I totally hear you and, and totally agree. I feel the very same way. But this love of horses has led you to some amazing adventures. So you've traveled to more than 60 countries in your adventures. But first, before we get into the horse component of, of your traveling, you know, tell us why you decided to become a world traveler. Like, how did you get started? Talk us through it, because that's a big leap in life. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, my, my dad was in the military. So as a kid, I did, you know, move a lot. So I think for me, it wasn't unnatural to be a little bit nomadic. And it just, I don't know, I always wanted to be a show jumper. And kind of the obvious place to go as a show jumper is go to Europe, you know, go to Germany or Netherlands or Belgium or something. So I definitely from a young age, always had this dream of 
traveling internationally and really pursuing my passion in the sport and a more higher like level competitions and such. Um, but I've always just been super curious about everything. Like I'm the kind of personality that I ask the question, why? You know, like, why is it like that? Why is the sky blue? You know, like, I need the answers. You know, why do they talk different languages? Why is the food different? I, I just, I need the answers to all of these questions. So I've always been very curious. And, you know, I didn't feel like I fit in in the small town that I grew up in, in California. So, you know, it was just kind of like awkward for me there. And I just was like, okay, well, I don't fit in here. So let's, let's go and find out where I fit in. <laughs> That is amazing. And then, and how old were you when you first started your adventures? I'm, I'm curious, like how, what age? I, I actually left the U.S. at the age of 21. I was actually 21 on the flight to my first international job. It was actually in Belgium. So I'm 21 and like in America, it's like such a big deal. Like, yeah, you can drink now. And I arrive in Belgium and they're like, yeah, we've been drinking since we're 15. Like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> so, you know, it just was such a culture shock. I mean, I was there to work at a horse stable, so there wasn't much free time anyways. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I, I basically spent my entire adult life abroad, you know, traveling around to different places. And it's, you know, when I go back to America now, it's funny, I think I went to a, a bar the first time in America, like two years ago. And it just kind of occurred to me like, oh, this is the first time I'm like legal to drink in my own country. <laughs> so. And there, there have, there has to have been so much cultural expansion for you and, and different rituals to learn. And as you went through your adventures and what's really exciting about this interview is you've worked with horses in 20 countries on six different continents. Can you tell us about, I mean, you said you flew over for your first job in Belgium where you were working at a horse stable. How did you marry your adventures overseas with being with horses like that it's obviously that's what you wanted to do but how did you make those things happen so you know when i first started traveling and of course you know i did it with horses for me it was kind of the only option but i didn't actually know that it was possible to work internationally with horses i just sort of had it in my brain like that's the only thing i know how to do is horses so i'm gonna figure out how to make it work and i remember i think i was 18 and you know i told you my family was military so the obvious solution if you want to go abroad is to join the military so i went to like the air force and i talked to the guys and i was like yeah do you guys have horses and they're like well no <laughs> i was like all right nice to see you <laughs> you know so for me it's like i didn't really know how i was going to go international but i knew it had to be horses and i wasn't really leaving any room not to travel with horses so i did find work it was just basically on the internet that i got jobs and the more I started traveling, it became more word of mouth. So I met someone who knew something. Some jobs I got totally by accident. So I actually got a job in Romania by accident. I sort of showed up in the country because I had met a Romanian girl in my first job in Belgium. And I was supposed to be there for like on holiday, like on a vacation just to visit her. And I arrived and my second day that I was there, she kind of pulled me aside and she was like, you know, Crystal, I'm really sorry, but I kind of have a job interview. And I know we're supposed to like hang out, but would you mind if you came with me to the stables? And I'm like, no, of course not. So I went and the guy 
who owned the stables, you know, he found out very quickly that I was a rider and that I worked professionally with horses. <laughs> so he threw me on the horse. And, you know, like when you work with horses, they kind of throw you on that squirrely horse to see how good you are. So he threw me on that one. <laughs> and we went out on this like trail ride and I had a blast. And so we wait, we made it back to the stables, obviously nothing happened. And we arrived at the stables and he's like, yeah, you're hired. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't even know I applied for a job. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're hired. You're not leaving. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't have anything better to do. So <laughs> I happen to be looking for work. So why not? <laughs> so yeah, it, it became kind of word of mouth. And I don't know, every job I found, it sort of uh, led one thing to another. It's, it's kind of a funny, yeah, <laughs> the universe works in crazy ways. I was going to say, it's like, it's like magical even to follow the threads of opportunities and, and just really trust in that that's the next step you're supposed to make. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think most people, the first flight ticket or the first leap is always the most difficult because you're jumping into the unknown. Mm -hmm. But then once you've made that commitment and you're kind of there and it's out there and the universe, I don't know, somehow it always reciprocates. You're always given and shown the next step. So, I love yeah. that. And you have to be open to noticing that next step when it does show up because exactly. sometimes you can be wearing those blinders and not see that. And it sounds like you've been very open to noticing the right next steps that the universe is providing for you. I just, I love those kind of stories. It's so magical. <laughs> yeah, I saw it as an opportunity. Like when else do you get to ride horses in Romania? Like, why not? <laughs> you only live once. <laughs> I, I know, that's amazing. And then when, when, you do, when you do go to these other countries, how do you prepare yourself for managing the cultural differences? Do you like, you know, read manuals or do you just learn as you go and kind of watch other people and see what they do? How do you prepare yourself for, for the shifts in culture? So I'm very obviously like blonde, white, green eyes. I do stand out. I did work in countries like Egypt and India. And the first time I went to work in Egypt, I will say I was very nervous. At the time, it was 2011. My brother was actually in Afghanistan. And his best friend growing up, like my neighbor basically, was in Iraq. So, you know, obviously Egypt is not like a war zone, but actually the year that I went was the year that the Egyptian revolution happened. My. So I definitely was very nervous. I didn't speak Arabic. I was nervous that I'm like a solo 20 year old blondie. And now they're having some turmoil in their country. And I was definitely nervous, but there was something inside me that told me, you know, I'm not going to, I think, learn the information I want to learn by sitting here, like in a small town and I'm not able to actually meet anyone that's ever been there where I'm from. So I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm working with horses. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to have guns or something. Like, it's a horse stables. And so I decided to follow my gut, and I did go. And I ended up staying for um, a year, but I actually stayed, I went back to Egypt again later. So I stayed in Egypt for two years in total. And I loved it. Like, I learned how to speak Arabic. I rode a lot of amazing horses. I got to see the pyramids. You know what I mean? Like, I just had so much fun and I did learn so much culturally. Now, I'm not going to say it was 100% easy. There are some cultural things that I had to learn, especially because I was a woman and I was in charge of men and these men were uneducated. They didn't speak English. So I had to learn Arabic to kind of communicate with them. I had to learn how to, you know, kind of deal with that cultural barrier of being in charge. Um, but once I sort of mastered that, then it became very easy and I was able to sort of uh, apply it in the other countries that I went and kind of pick up things here or there as I, you know, went. But yeah, I think it opens your mind. It opens your eyes. And I think the only way to learn is, is to go and to do it and to try it. 
just dive right in. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. It's a lot of sense. And then, uh, you know, there's obviously some, some insulation in the horse world too, because the hor- people who love horses, I think exactly. most have a very gentle nature about them. And there's a partnership and a, a shared communication around the animals, which is pretty special. Yeah. No, it's true. I, I mean, you always have that bond. So mm-hmm. even if you don't speak the language, just like their love for the animal I mean, it's obvious, like we're all horsey people Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like we're all the same. I went to Iraq and I was invited by these men. They wanted to just show me their horses and they are so proud of their horses. Like they took me to like five different stables. They were like bringing out each and every horse and like telling me its life story. And like, I bred this horse. And then we all sat and had tea and they were just like so excited. And they didn't even really speak that much English, Mm -hmm. but they just loved horses so much. And they are just like the friendliest people in the world. So yeah, you see this a lot with the horsey community, I think, in general. I agree. And, and what is so neat about all the travels and adventures you've had I, you know, is that you're, you're, you have a business that you've kind of generated out of this. Can you talk to listeners about equestrian adventuresses uh, and, and what that is and what they can find on, on the site and what you're doing there? Yeah, so when I started traveling, I was doing it all solo. I was all alone. And I don't know, I sort of, I think, wanted that community of other women. Because I know, I mean, in America, it's mostly women that are riding. You know, in India, it's mostly men. But in America or England or wherever, like, it is a lot of women, obviously. So I was kind of missing that community. So I sort of started Equestrian Adventuresses not that long ago. It's been about a year And so we have a YouTube show, we have a podcast, uh, we have so many articles on the website. And it's just basically sharing a lot of stories, uh, a lot of interviews, and uh, just kind of a lot of women's personal adventures that they've done, either with their own horses in their own country. It doesn't have to be, you know, extreme crazy travels or whatever. (laughs) But like, they're just adventuring and they're like super cool, amazing women. And they just have so many awesome stories, uh, which is how sort of the book idea came into manifestation. But yeah, so a question of interest is basically the tribe for women where they can come and connect with each other and share their adventures and story ideas and get resources and tips and information. About traveling with around the world with horses or, or basically, taking yeah. with horses. That is so exciting. And you have a private Facebook group too, where people can really dive into the conversation even exactly. more. That, yep. That is so great. And I also really love this. I wanted to ask you about it. You, you offer equestrian adventuresses apparel, which is such a, a, a neat component to the brand that you're building, but, but you designed it in a specific way. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of apparel you offer on the website? Our logo, I'm, I think I'm quite proud of it, actually. <laughs> um, it's, it's basically, I mean, it's a woman galloping around the world. And I think it's, I've always been really passionate about travel, but for some reason, you never really see the two mixed together, like horses and travel or adventure. You know, I think a lot of people, non-horsey people, when they think of, I don't know, horse people or equestrians, they think of like the arena stuff, Mm -hmm. which is great. I'm a show jumper. But, you know, it's more than that. Like, we love the freedom that horses bring us. We love to have adventures, and we are adventurous by nature. And, you know, adventure means something different, different to everyone. But, like, you know, a question, like, we are just very adventurous people, and so, yeah, the apparel line, you know, we have all kinds of different, uh, yeah, shirts, and sweaters, and tote bags, and, like, everything, you know, that you could think of, and it has, of course, the beautiful woman, who I find very empowering, just galloping around the world, so, yeah. I love this, and I, what I love is that you're building a community of powerful, strong women, and supporting those powerful, strong women in their adventures, 
with horses wherever they may go. And I think that is so special when women support other women in doing these sort of amazing things. So thank I you think for creating that. Thank you. Thank you. I actually feel like these women in the group, like I've gotten to know them. I get random emails or Instagram messages and like the stuff that they tell me, like I feel like I'm wimpy some of the stuff that these ladies do. And I'm like, wow, I need to have a coffee with you. And this happens like every other day. And it's like, there's so many amazing ladies. And I feel like they're ambassadors, you know, by them traveling to these countries, like they are showing men that, you know, you don't have to be super rough with horses or, you know, like they're bringing their, you know, femininity, but in such a powerful and positive way. And it inspires other women to do the same, especially in those countries where it is male dominated. So, you know, when you're riding a horse, like you, you might be having a good time, but you're actually putting an impression on those young girls that are waving at you, like really excited because they've never even known that that was a possibility and now they do. Oh. So I, I, I love that the most. That's amazing. And, and so incredible. And, and I'm sure there's so much information sharing too, like say somebody is interested in, I don't know, going to Ireland and working with horses or, or having an adventure on a horse, they could come into your private Facebook group and have a conversation with someone that could share with them their insight about what they need to know when they go there. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, there's women from pretty much every country you could think of in the Facebook group alone. And on our website as well, you know, we have a lot of free articles and stuff that people can mm -hmm. read. Mm -hmm. And even in our books, like, you know, there's almost no country untouched by these ladies. Like you can find stories and just, I mean, on our website, we have, you know, women in Papua New Guinea that were riding horses. We have a girl in Yemen. She sat on a horse like once and it changed her life forever. And she shares her story on the website oh. and it's heartbreaking. Like some of the things that she says, but it's like, I feel like the stories need to be told. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, like you said, the information needs to be shared. And I feel like social media and all of these new platforms, like that's how, how we do it nowadays. So it is breaking down a lot of barriers. That's amazing. And helping other women, other powerful women that are doing something similar to what you're doing or not even just traveling, they're not alone, right? There is yeah, a community exactly. and people supporting them in what they're doing, which is fabulous. So this is a perfect, you've mentioned the books a couple, a couple times. This is a perfect segue into talking about your book series, it, you have two because this is the Equestrian Author Spotlight podcast. <laughs> so, but you've written the Equestrian Adventure Venturesses series and travel guidebooks for equestrians series. So, yeah. tell us about your horse books and maybe hold hold up a couple so we can see your comments. yes. Uh, so first, I'll talk about the the series. And so we have just three books so far in the series. And actually, the intention is every month to release a new book. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, so basically in the group, I kind of post submission calls for people that they want to submit their stories. And so one of my stories is actually in this book one, uh, where I actually rode uh, two of my horses across Ireland. So mm -hmm. that story is in here. But basically, the book series is true stories about women overcoming obstacles or challenges on the trail. And it's women, it is a very international group. So, you know, we have women from Poland or the UK or wherever, and they're traveling to India or they're riding across South America with their toddlers. I mean, who does that? <laughs> you know, so it, like every single chapter in the book is completely unique. It's, you know, a totally different story. And uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I couldn't say like what is my favorite of the three books because they're all just like fascinating. But yeah, so they're all true stories. And yeah, 
They're all travel-y. <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. So there's three books in the series. Your goal is to try and release one a month, which is fantastic. But yeah. these are all true stories of women taking on the world from the back of a horse, pretty much. So that pretty is- much, yeah. So it's great. funny. We had we had one girl. I think it's in book three. So she messaged me and she's like a 19 year old girl, and just her personality like absolutely shines in the book. And I'll just I'll hold it up for you guys so you can see which one it is, and. Her story is just so fascinating because she went on this like amazing adventure. She lives in New Zealand. So she basically went like, I don't know, bushwhacking or something in the wilderness. And I mean that her story has quicksand. It has like hailstorms, mountains. They were there for Christmas. They had to like hunt with rifles to catch some food. Like they were crazy. These two women, like what they did. And I don't know. It's funny for me because it's sort of the first time I'm able to have an adventure without actually getting hailed on myself. <laughs> so, so I can actually experience it. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad actually that I'm reading about her doing that because I don't know if I would do that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then the, you, when you call for submissions, do you do that through your private Facebook group or do you do that on your website? And then you compile all the stories together and then release each edition as, as people bring forth their stories. Is that right? Yeah. So far I have, each book has been having a new theme. So book mm. one was more about friendships and like sisterhood. And then the second and third book were both about like overcoming obstacles or uh, overcoming fears. Mm. And so I posted it on my Facebook group. I didn't really have to post it anywhere else as of now because I got so many like amazing stories. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really turn down very many. There was like maybe a couple, but for the most part, you know, everyone has a story to share. And, you know, we had one woman, she is from Poland and she had to have someone like help her translate. And I step in a lot and I help them with the building the actual story and, and whatnot, you know, piecing things together and making mm -hmm. it like very exciting. But yeah, for the most part, I mean, a lot of these women, like they just have stories to share and they're actually surprised like when they start typing it, like, oh man, I've been holding that one for a while, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's very exciting for me when I get the submission, like the pitches and I'm like, yeah, please send me that one. <laughs> like, I need that. <laughs> well, that's, that's amazing. So you're giving, you're also supporting people, informing people, but then also giving women a voice to share their stories of their travels. That is just so special. And then, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I, I love that. And then, and I will certainly link to where people can find all of your books and your wonderful website in the show notes. I just wanted to make mention of that for people listening in. But then you also are giving another gift to women travelers who are interested in seeing the world on horseback. You, you've written travel guides for equestrian yeah. series. Can you talk to us a little yes. bit about that? And I, I have those as well. Um, so the travel guide, again, you know, when I mentioned earlier, like when I started my travels, I didn't have resources like this. I actually, I went into Barnes and Noble once that was before I, I got on the plane to Egypt and I bought like, or sorry, I didn't buy it. I opened a travel guide book for Egypt and you know, I was 20, I'm like a solo woman. So I particularly was interested in like, okay, what do I do as a solo woman traveler? Mm -hmm. And I opened the guidebook and there was a special like warning for women traveling solo and the stuff that it said, it scared the poop out of me. Like I, I slammed the book closed, I put it back on the shelf and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm about to get on the plane. So I was like terrified of guidebooks after that. I didn't even <laughs> open one. 
And so the guidebooks sort of came from that, I think, that I we get a lot of questions, you know, a lot of women asking for resources and stuff in the group itself. They want to hear, you know, trip recommendations or where have you ridden and they sort of want those resources. So the book sort of manifested out of that. So we do have the, the USA travel guide and then we have the uh, job book where mm. we also, it has some actual job listings, but it also talks about how they can get jobs internationally, sort of do what I did. Um, and then it lists a whole bunch of job ideas that you can do if you just have no clue what you want to do. And then of course, we have the horse riding in every country guide, which is kind of like a phone book, basically. It lists like, I think in 180 different countries, horse riding stables. So you can actually flip to it and you're like, oh, I feel like riding in Ireland or Iraq or wherever, you know, and and we have that there for you. And then the last one is basically the world travel guide. And it just has just different countries where you can, again, get the information, like safety tips, where to go, what to do, and then, of course, where to ride, because that's what we really want to know. <laughs> wow, that's amazing resources. And I just, I, I love that, too. And, and I think you mentioned something really, really important. Like, as a woman traveling solo, safety, I think, is a big concern. And then fear of being safe in these these places that are unfamiliar might stop a lot of women from actually taking on these travels. So what, what would you say to a woman who is, you know, like concerned about her safety going to another country? Like what, what would you tell that woman? I think you'll hear, I think a lot of fears from people and most of it is maybe even their family members, like who've seen the movie Taken. <laughs> so they've seen the movie Taken and they're convinced that you're going to get kidnapped if you go to Europe mm -hmm. or, you know, wherever. And it's funny, like I traveled to so many places and I still, up until like a year ago, my mom is like, no, don't go there. I saw something on the news and you're going to, there's car crashes. I'm like, well, there's car crashes in America. <laughs> you know, like there's not a reason not to go, mom. So, you know, it is hard when you have those, especially if they're loved ones feeding you their fears. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, the best thing is, first of all, the world is not as scary as it needs to be. Of course, you know, we are women and unfortunately we do need to take some precautions. I definitely, you know, I travel to India differently than I travel to Europe. It's just one of those things. But I think if you're respectful of the culture and you are familiar a little bit with what is okay and what's not okay, like how to dress or something like that, then there's absolutely no reason not to go. And for the women that are just really uh, feeling unprepared or not very confident about it, I do provide, uh, I have a women's travel safety course. I do cover these kind of things in depth for people that want to actually travel abroad with horses. So I do have an online course and also these uh, travel guide books. So obviously if you order them like at a paperback form um, on Amazon, you know, they cost, I think maybe 20 bucks or something with shipping. But we do also provide these travel guides for equestrians for free if you go to our website, like as ebooks. So you can actually mm -hmm. download the ebook and then that way you can get some information. You know, I don't want that 20 bucks is going to stop them from having these information and resources. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we do definitely provide that. And we have a lot of tips and stuff for women on our website. And there's, I think there's a lot of resources out there. And if you just post in the Facebook group like, hey, I'm going to this country, chances are you're going to find someone who's there. 
So well, that's, that's wonderful. And, and, and you have a course for women on safety when traveling in different countries. I think that that is so, so valuable. And um, I'm glad you mentioned that you have that course and, and the resources on the website. So you've kind of covered all the bases here in talking about <laughs> women, women being empowered to travel. I, I really love that. Yeah, I think for me, it's been a, I mean, obviously, you can't do it if you don't love it. But for me, you know, when I set off into the world, I was naive, you know, I did go blindly into countries. So definitely, I made some mistakes. I learned stuff on the way. I had to figure out the cultural things because I didn't know. Uh, I had to learn Arabic. I kind of did it like in the movie 13th Warrior, like I just listened to them. And then suddenly one day I could kind of like blah, blah, blah. But you know what I mean? Like, I didn't really have the internet or guidebooks at that time to help me. And so I don't know, for me, it's just kind of like, I need to give these ladies as much as I can, because I feel like I was able to do this for a reason. So I need to share it. Oh, that's what a gift that, and that's so generous to share that knowledge and, and pass it forward. So other women can have similar experiences or, or not be afraid to go and give this, give this a try. And is there a message in, in your books and, and in what you're doing that you really hope to leave with readers? Or is there a message in your books that you hope readers will grasp? I think one of the common things that you'll read from all three of the Equestrian Adventuresses series is that these women, they're doing like amazing things. But I want to say they're normal people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they are like you like me they're like they're normal they just love horses and they were i don't know something triggered them or whatever like they share their stories but something that they did or a decision that they made or you know whatever it was it sort of it's kind of like what you see in hollywood movies like they sort of rose to the occasion and they became this like amazing adventurous if i can say like you know this hero and not all of them see it, you know, they're sharing their story of, you know, their mishaps or this or that, their learning experiences or the bad things that have happened. It's not just beautiful Instagram photos, you know, of people on beaches. Like, it's the real story. It's the stuff that you don't usually hear about. Mm -hmm. But they make it so human and they make you feel like, what am I sitting here for? Like, there's no reason. Like, she's doing it. Like, I need to book the ticket. That is awesome. So it's inspiring and yeah. it helps people understand that anybody can take this on. They just have to yeah. book that <laughs> ticket. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so you, how, how, I mean, you've mentioned you have a podcast and you have a YouTube channel, you have a wonderful website, you've written your books. Is, is there any, and you have the very active Facebook private group. Is, is there any particular method you use to reach your audience or readers for your books do you do any like special kind of outreach or is it or is it pretty much people coming to you because they're discovering you so far the majority of it i will say is facebook mm -hmm. and most of that was done organically um when i started the i started the group before i opened the website i think i made the group and i was like oh wow there's like something here i'm not the only one so i made the website and then i just I don't know, it sort of fell into me and it was suddenly like I'm being swamped by stories and this and I'm like, okay, I need to make a podcast because they're sharing their story and oh, I need to do YouTube or whatever. And I was, I, you know, I love doing all of it anyways. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think definitely I got a lot of word of mouth from Facebook, especially mm -hmm. women inviting other women into the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have to, I don't know, seek people to come to the group. Usually they kind of hear about us and they 
they want in. And obviously, I mean, we accept every everyone that wants to come. But yeah, so I definitely a lot from Facebook. And I'm trying to shift a little bit more onto the YouTube platform because I personally love videos and film, obviously books as well. I don't know. I'm a creative person. I like <laughs> stories. And I feel like when you read something or when you watch something, it's a little bit more powerful than just a Facebook post. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the two things that I'm really trying to develop even more. That's why I said I want to do like a book a month. And then I'm like just trying to pump out a lot of YouTube videos as well. So those are the two that I think I want to continue the most. I really, I really love that. That is, and, and, and again, it's like when you were, when you started off on your travels, like everything just sort of showed up and spoke to you and the universe provided and you stepped right into it and you're like, okay, Facebook group is going to now become a website is now going to become YouTube and a podcast and books. And I am going to be a resource and, and look at all the magic you're creating and all the people that you're helping. That is so awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's, it's nice to hear because I've definitely, uh, I feel like I've been sort of pushed into this route somehow. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's nice for me when I do get like the stories from women and I'm like, okay, great. I'm not the only one that wants to hear this, but they're actually, they also want to hear the stories and share their stories, which mm -hmm. I think is, is amazing. And I think what's most special about this too, is you love the work. You love what you're creating. You love what you're doing. You love who you're helping. You love the message you're sharing. That just makes it all, all the more better. It's not like, it came to you and it's like, whoa, all, all this stuff happened, but it's like, you're actually finding joy out of it at the same time. And I think that is the most magical thing that can happen in, in a life it, with work. And particularly when it's involving writing, being creative in horses, it doesn't really get any better than that. I mean, and <laughs> yeah, empowering exactly. women. It's like perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. No, it's very true. <laughs> so I'm curious. So did you decide to do the independent, independently publishing route or the traditionally published route when you decided to release your books? Like what, which choice did you end up making? So I went with uh, publishing it myself. So mm -hmm. I have published it via Amazon mm -hmm. and so I've studied a lot of marketing and I'm like a member of a lot of masterminds and a lot of different. So I, I really pursue my education from a business perspective as well. And so for me, when I was kind of thinking like, do I want to pursue a traditional publisher? I know how much work goes into that, but also they don't necessarily do the marketing for you. I'm going to be running around doing this anyways. And, you know, if I do it myself, you know, I can put out a book a month, you know, I mean, realistically, I do have a life sometimes, but <laughs> realistically I can do a book a month and I enjoy genuinely reading the stories and kind of giving my input. I'm by no means like a professional editor or something like for sure I mess up sometimes or whatever but the stories are there you know so for me it was kind of like no I have the community and right now you know it is word of mouth I see that the people really crave this topic and that there is a love for it and a passion for it so you know for now I'm just going to kind of do it myself and just kind of go hardcore marketing on my own and then if in the future I feel like, you know, being super famous, then I guess I can try that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually, that's pretty awesome because they're now sort of what's happening is there's this independent traditional hybrid model happening. And often the way the traditional side of things shows up is having built your foundation and built your following exactly. and built your group and put out a few books on your own. And then, exactly. then they take notice. It's sort of like, how it used to be in the music industry where they'd send A&R execs out to find bands that already developed kind of a following that already had 
an audience to bring to the music. So that's exactly what you're doing for your brand. And Pretty your, much. Your yeah. yeah. I mean, the social media is basically taken over. Like people, they don't even go to the news. They go to Facebook for mm -hmm. the news. Like how insane is that? But that's what's happening. So, you know, for me, I feel like social media is, I mean, it is an actual thing that needs to be leveraged. So if I have the people and I know how to get more people who like horses and travel, then yeah, why not just do it my way? And then, like you said, at some point, maybe they'll notice. If not, it doesn't really matter because I know I'm going to find the people that need this book. Exactly. You, you are 100% you are in tune with and you know who your audience is. And, and then the beauty of the independent publishing, too, is you have, you have freedom to release as you like, when you like, how you like. And, you, have, you know, you create your own covers. And, and, it, and often with traditional publishing, it takes a longer time to get exactly. a book out into the world. So if you want to do a book yeah. a month, independent publishing is the perfect way to go. And, and you know, for me, like the books, I don't look at it like, oh, these books are going to make me a, make a millionaire, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay, maybe I get a little bit of money, but honestly with marketing and like ads or whatever, am I really getting that much? I don't know, maybe at some point, but I don't know, to me, it's more about kind of the message and the mm -hmm. stories mm -hmm. and you know, I feel like the money comes when you help people, like the more that they, you help people, the more that you in return will also receive as well. So, yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, it's really for the magic of sharing your knowledge and, and being creative and bringing people together and, and, and empowering others ultimately. Yes. And, that, and I believe that that does bring success. I think you've got completely the right mindset there. That's why I think it's great. Like you supporting other authors, you mm -hmm. know, I, I don't like it. Unfortunately, like I'm all about women empowerment, but unfortunately you do find women that are catty and they try and like keep others down or whatever. It does, it happens everywhere, but for mm -hmm. some reason, some women are more vicious than others. Mm -hmm. So it's great when you do find other women that lift each other up because that's the only way like we can go higher ourselves is by other women. Men aren't going to do it. <laughs> They're busy. <laughs> I totally agree with you. And I, I'm glad that we share that that thing in common that we like to spotlight and share the stories of other women doing amazing things. It's so important to take care of each other. And so this is a really, this is a question I really wanted to ask you because, you know, you, so much of your time is spent traveling and you have so many different plates spinning around what you're creating with your business. How do you, do you have a special time of day to work on like the business end of things or, you know, how do you create your schedule to, because even scheduling this podcast interview was kind of challenging because you didn't know when the next time you might have internet is and you know we had to do and, and you're in Germany and I'm in Arizona in the US so we had seven hour time difference so you know you got a lot going on and then you're on you're traveling around you don't know when you're gonna have internet how do you create your schedule or, or how do you get things done like what, yeah. how do you work that out <laughs> it's funny I think I still get emails from one of the ladies she sends articles for our website sometimes and sometimes she'll mail me like do you ever sleep crystal <laughs> i'm just like yes as i'm sending this at 2 a.m or you know <laughs> so yes i do definitely you know when you're an entrepreneur it's funny there's i think it's a quote or whatever it's like entrepreneurs are the only people that will work 80 hours a week to avoid a 40 hour a week job so I've definitely had days where I felt like that person, like, what am I doing? Like, I, there's only one of me. But I think now I'm starting to slow down a little bit more because I've kind of set up some of the systems. So that way, you know, I think the great thing about when you have a community, I was nervous, actually, when I went to make the first book for the series, I was kind of nervous, like, you know, if I try and write this book all by myself, 
it's just going to be a book about my stories, which, you know, is kind of boring. <laughs> so I wanted it to be about other ladies. Like, I prefer not to talk about my stories. Like, I want to share their stories. So I was nervous. Like, if I send out this, like, kind of submission call, is anyone even going to send me something? But I was overwhelmed when I got so many emails. And, you know, people did. And they sent me amazing stories. And, you know, I had one girl also... She sent me a story and it was really, really good. She went to Italy and she like bought a show jumping horse and she was riding and she didn't speak Italian and she was struggling a lot. And after the book was published, she was like, yeah, I wasn't sure if I should share that story with you, but I'm glad I did. And I was like, oh, well, I'm glad you did too. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's, it's great for me, like the support that I get from the members as well. So I feel like on my rainy days, I get them helping and lifting me up as well. But yeah, as far as my schedule and everything, I do have to plan a little bit if I'm basically in the middle of nowhere with no internet for weeks or months or whatever. I have to kind of hustle a little bit to set everything in place or schedule posts or something, mm -hmm. try and get as much done as I can. But then usually when I'm in the, I don't know, black hole zones or whatever, I'm doing a lot of like filming stuff um, and preparing everything or doing video editing. Uh, to put on our YouTube. So I'm almost never like doing nothing. Mm -hmm. I always have something that I can work on, even if I don't have internet. And then, you know, the people that I have in place can kind of help with the online stuff when I'm out of, out of it. Yeah, that's kind of something that I'm still trying to perfect, I'd say. <laughs> but, you know, and, and again, I loved your analogy of, you know, only an entrepreneur will work 80 hours a week <laughs> to avoid the 40 hour job. But, yeah. but when you, and, and I get that. I mean, I, I, I can be like that <clears throat> all the time too. But what's interesting is, is it doesn't feel like work when it's your passion or your, you know, what you're creating, like it doesn't feel like work. So I think that that's why it's easier for us to work longer and more often on our businesses. And then you said another really important thing, which is systems. Systems yeah. take a lot on the front end to get into place. But once you exactly. do, then you get more freedom on the back end. So, exactly. so good on you for putting in the hours. <laughs> and I know what a bear it can be sometimes to be the only one working on these things, but, but you're passionate and you're creative and you're making a difference for people. So it's all worth it in the end, you know? And yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the travel guide series, for example, it took me like three months to put these books together. You know, I mean, that probably doesn't sound like a lot to put a book together, but like it was a lot of hustling and a lot mm -hmm. of putting things together and then I had to build the systems for it so that you guys could get it emailed to you without me having to individually do every single one or, you know, yeah. so there is a lot of back work that I think a lot of people don't really see, but it just, it wouldn't exist without that. So it's just kind of like, okay, I have to do it. I schedule a certain day that I get those tasks done. And then guess what? I get to read really cool stories or make really cool videos for the rest of the time. So I can deal with that. That's great. And I had a question about compiling the stories into your anthology do you have to do you set up a legal contract with the people whose stories that you use inside like how do you work with their copyright or or how you know how does that all work when you're pulling other people's stories together into a compilation is there any special way you have to approach it I do have a contract, which I request, you know, I, when I put out the submission and they send me like a story pitch, I do inform them, like, I do need that you sign this contract so that I have permission. Because obviously if they tried to publish their story in a different book, 
then it's a copyright issue. So I do have a contract that says, you know, I have the rights to this story so I can publish it in the book. I can also make an audio book out of it. So we do have audio books as well. So they have to sign that contract. So far, I personally, like I'm not, I'm, I'm naturally like a handshake kind of person. Mm-hmm. So for me, it feels awkward to have to put on this like serious face and be like, no, I need it in writing. So it's a simple contract. It's it's not like I hired a lawyer for it, but it is an actual professional uh, contract that I found. And so I have them sign that. And then m- most of it, you know, I think for me, it's important to share the story. Like I said, I'm dealing with a lot of different countries. So I don't know what the rules are in Poland, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know how much the contract applies in Poland, but I have it. So for me, I think it's more about, you know what? It's about the message and she's sharing the story. Like she knows what she's getting into. She's sending it to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, okay, I think that paper for now is, is all I need. Yeah. And, and I mean, they get credit inside the book for their, for their, of story, course they have their own should... author bio and uh, I always plug them if they have a website or blog mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever it is. So for me, and I think for them as well, they do benefit. Like I have the people. I know the people. Mm-hmm. So if they want to get their message out there, like you put your story in my book and I promise they're going to see it because I'm reading this lady's story and I'm like, who is this lady? I need to talk to her. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely very good publicity for them. I will say. Absolutely. And it, and it's, but what you're do what you've done with having them sign that you have the right to use that is, is very important as an entrepreneur, you're just protecting yourself. You know, it's exactly. like, I think, of course, people in general are pretty trustworthy. And if they want to share your stories, it's or their stories with you, because you're doing them a service by compiling them and putting them in a book. You know, generally, I think it's, it feels like it would be safe. But you, you know, as a businesswoman, you, you always have, have to, to protect yeah. yourself. And so I've just, definitely, I did get a story and I had like a red flag. The woman was just like, no, we need to change this in the contract and that. And I'm like, okay, like, it's just, I'm sorry. I have bad vibes. It's just like a small, simple story. I feel more comfortable if you, you know, put it somewhere else. So I've definitely said no because of that mm-hmm. to try and protect myself. You know, I, you know, I'm a small business owner. Like I have an online business, you know, I just, I have to, like you said, protect myself mm-hmm. for the most part, people are kind and nothing bad is going to happen. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's better, better safe than sorry. Definitely. Yeah, and it, good on you for noticing that red flag because if, if there's nitpicky stuff going on at the beginning, that's exactly. an indicator of exactly. how, how the partnership could continue down the line. So you always have to- Yeah, I don't want death emails like, you misspelled something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that's <laughs> don't great. That. That's, I'm really glad you shared that. I just wanted to address that so people listening in and aspiring authors who might want to do their own compilations of stories in another sort of area of equestrianism had that information on how to protect themselves. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, I will say too, because I am dealing with a lot of international authors. So it is probably a little bit complicated, more so for me than for others, because I have people in like just crazy places. So I can't even actually physically mail them like an author copy because they're in the jungle somewhere. So you know what I mean? So it is a little bit complicated and I do definitely, I'm like, I'm doing the best I can, but I'm not perfect either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think if you're strict and you kind of make that clear in the beginning, I think, you know, yeah, it, it's just. 
It's good. It's always better to give them way too much information at the beginning rather than add things in later down the line. Exactly. And I'm sure you figured that out as you started putting this together. What kind of questions are you going to get on the front end so you could answer those in advance? So that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Actually, I think for my next book, I'm going to make like a British to American like translation. <laughs> <laughs> when you submit your story, please do not do things like, you know, they make their air quotes backwards or I don't know, they do all kinds of weird things in England. And I have a lot of like British people sending me stories and I'm, oh. I'm reading it like, oh no, my Word document is American. And it's like going crazy. Everything is underlined in red that it needs to be <laughs> spell checked. And I'm like, ah, British people, please just spell the word favorite like an American. <laughs> yeah, so you, actually you need to create your own like style guide. I, I can understand how that could get a little confusing and, and yeah. yeah so and I, I did warn them I'm like this is going to be in American English so you're gonna read it and think I spelled something wrong mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's not it's just Americanized <laughs> so so far all of the British have been cool about that uh, no yeah. death emails yet <laughs> so yeah <laughs> oh, that's great I mean it is great visibility for them and it's a way to get their story out because not everybody aspires to write a whole book, but they, exactly, they yeah. may want to tell their story. So you're giving them that platform to do so. That's really special. Yeah. So, you know, we've kind of touched a little bit on, on what you've found to be the difficult part, but I, you know, I'd, I always like to ask these questions because there's always some, you know, great information to be shared, but for you, what has been the hardest part about being an author, an entrepreneur and a traveling horsewoman? <laughs> and then on the flip side, what's the best part of that? So, I think most people don't realize how much work the marketing portion of it is. They think the writing of the book is the hard part. And I am a writer myself. So mm -hmm. I do, like I did write a story. I'm not totally lazy, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I do understand the work that goes and the energy into creating a story, but also the marketing is like, it's a thing. And it's basically like for your whole life, as long as you want to make some money out of it, you can't stop doing that. So, you know, you have to pay for ads, you have to pay for, you know, the cover design or so you're putting a bunch of your money in and you actually don't even know if anyone wants to read it. <laughs> so, you know, the marketing is definitely, I would say the biggest thing that you have to actually make a plan. You have to be willing to play with ads or put a little bit of money into it. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when they first start their business, they're always trying to save money. They don't want to spend money on the systems or the things. I know I did that mistake a few years ago when I started shifting to having like a blog and such. I was trying to like read all the free stuff, you know, and it just, in the end, it just cost me time and it didn't actually benefit me. <laughs> so, you know, once I started putting in the systems and actually like, you know what, I'm just going to pay for ads or I'm going to do, I'm going to do, it's a business. I'm going to treat it like a business and I'm going to treat it like, a traditional publishing company would. Mm. So I'm thinking more big picture than I am small picture. But definitely the marketing, I would say, is one of the big things that I have to put a lot of energy into and planning behind and thought process. You know, I want to talk about it in my group, but I also don't want to annoy them that we've made this book. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a fine line and I'm experimenting sometimes like, oh, maybe I shouldn't post about that today. <laughs> so, you know, it is a fine line. And then as far as the best part of it, I mean, first of all, I can make my own schedule. Like I can go to Greenland and ride horses and like I got invited to go there. So, you know, I got to go and ride horses and I can't really complain about that, to be honest. <laughs> so, and I got to go and meet other women who were in my group and we all had this like amazing adventure together. So, you know, and I videoed it and it's on our YouTube. Mm, cool. So I've gotten to, and 
I interviewed a lot of these women. So when you put them behind a camera or when you, you know, have them send your story or something, they really do share something with you. Like you do. And it's not always that I publish all of that. You know, I might not always, you might not always see the really dark stuff on the YouTube or something, but they still opened up. They still shared and you can see it on their face or like, you know, like, why am I not doing that? Or <laughs> whatever it is. And you just really connect with people in a whole different level that I think I wasn't able to connect with before, because before when I traveled, I was kind of like the independent, I'm doing this and I'm hardcore on my own, proving a point, you know? So now I think I'm really embracing, like, actually, there's a lot of us and, you know, why not talk about this stuff as well? You know, it doesn't have to be all happy unicorns and fairies all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's one of the best things that I enjoy the most. Oh, so yeah, the community aspect where you can share the successes, share the pain points, share the tough stuff. You know, these are your people. This is your herd. It's your, you know, exactly. or like you said, your tribe, like, and, yeah. and there is something really special in, in having that sort of understanding in another group or another person, another woman who's taking it on because I hear you in the, I'm doing it all by myself. I'm an individual. I don't need anybody. Exactly. But actually, you're stronger when you're working together with with other people and building relationships and partnerships because you don't have to go at it alone. And that's exactly, a, that's something I think powerful women sometimes have to Forget. take a minute to learn. <laughs> yeah, it takes a second to learn that you can trust other women and that trusting other women and building a community only makes you more powerful and that at the same time. So I just love that message that you're sharing. So what, what advice would you offer to someone interested in traveling on horseback in a new country for the very first time? So say we have a listener on this show that is just sitting there going, oh my gosh, I'm so inspired by Crystal, uh, but I'm afraid. I don't know if I can do this. Like, what would you say to that person? Yes. So first of all, you got to download the travel guide books for equestrians. <laughs> I've heard about these and they're pretty good. <laughs> so my advice would definitely be you have resources, like unlimited resources. Like there's books, there's YouTube videos, there's articles, there's women that you can actually speak to. Like, like I said, there's almost no country that you can think of that you couldn't find someone and say, Hey, have you been there? Or what's it like? And for me personally, I would say the best thing that you can do, definitely come to Equestrian Adventuresses for the information, but also just like, just book the ticket, you know, like just, just do it. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. The only bad thing is if you do it, you will then be addicted <laughs> and you'll want to do it again and again and again. So there's that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that that's great advice. I mean, sometimes it's, it's just that first step. And when you make yeah. that commitment, that first step, it opens up this whole world for you because you've just committed to doing yeah. something. So buying that ticket, I know I'm going, where have you? And oh my gosh, I have to go. I have to know. I've made a commitment to myself. And then this world kind of blooms around you, just sort of like the universe opens up and resources start coming. You start educating yourself and then you go do it and you prove it to yourself that you can do it. And then you know, then you I think more. one of the things, like most people, when they go on a vacation, let's talk about non-horse people, mm. you know, they go in some resort or whatever, they come back, they feel refreshed, they feel relaxed, but it wasn't life-changing. 
Mm-hmm. And I can say I've never met a woman that went on like one of these horse expeditions. It doesn't matter if you're going with your own horse, like with a couple of pack saddles, or if you're going like booking an all-inclusive, I don't know, luxury horse safari. It really doesn't matter mm-hmm. because I've never met a woman that went on a equestrian related adventure and it didn't completely change their life. Like it opens their eyes and they see things and they meet people from such a different perspective. You know, you're with horses, you're in the nature, you're in remote villages or like just really unique countries and you're connecting with people and eating the food. And it's such a life changing experience. And I've had the fortune of watching women because I've gone with women on these expeditions. I've organized a couple of trips. Oh, cool. And (laughs) And even my own mom, she did her first ever, she wasn't really a horse rider. She's like watched me over the years, but she's like, I'm old. I'm never going to do that. And I have this love for the country Bhutan. So I've been to Bhutan a few times. I actually started the riding club there Mm. and they didn't have horses in their country really. Like they were pack horses. And so I made people ride in this country. And I actually brought my mom to Bhutan. And she rode horses there. I mean, she was, I told her to take lessons and stuff and prepare. You know, she wasn't totally <laughs> unprepared. But she came and we rode horses. And, you know, it's a Buddhist country. And she's meeting, I call him my Acho, my big brother. And, like, the local Bhutanese guide. And that I had kind of worked and trained with the horses. And, you know, the way that she was seeing nature was something that, you know, she never would have done it on her own two feet. You know, the places, I mean, these were steep mountains. These are like hardcore little mountain ponies. Like they know the land. I would feel nervous on my own two feet hiking up that, but they're like little mountain goats. And, you know, they kind of carried her in all these places. And she got to, she had her first like canter in this lovely meadow. And, you know, those kind of experiences, I think it, it really, it makes me feel good when I see the emotions and expressions coming out of other people's faces. Like, it is life-changing. It's not Mm. just, I don't know, some resort relaxing getaway. Like you actually do change, Mm. but you can't change if you don't book the ticket, if you don't go. Oh, that is, that is such a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Book the ticket, everybody. Get out there, get out there. If my mom can do it. (laughs) (laughs) It it just sounds like she had a a wonderful time and you opened up a whole new world for her. I mean, that is, that is, and horses opened up a whole new world. Yes. Yeah. That is amazing. So you are up to so much around what you're doing, and I am so glad you're doing it. Thank you for for all the work you're doing to benefit other people. But what are you curious about right now? Like, sort of like, what's next? What are you thinking? Well, my bucket list as far as countries I want to visit, like, never ends. It's always replaced by something (laughs) else as soon as I cross it off. So that just is forever there. And I love when I do get random emails or, I don't know, Instagram messages or something, and they're like, hey, have you heard of this place? I live there. Come visit me. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I I get messages like this. And actually, so where I'm planning on going next, so I'm in Germany at the moment. I kind of got trapped here with the whole coronavirus thing. So this wasn't really planned, but my horses are here with me. So where I'm planning on going next is actually to Greece. And because it's Greece and why not? (laughs) So I'm going to take my horses with me. And that is kind of my new plan. So I have to find somewhere for me as a human being to stay because I've already sorted out my horse as a place as you do. (laughs) So I'm going to have to figure out where I'm going to stay, but my horses are sorted. And yeah, I think for now, you know, I want to just continue kind of spreading the message with Equestrian Adventuresses, doing more books, more YouTube videos. And at some point, you know, maybe I can kind of pass the baton a little bit more and just kind of like, hey, 
if this other lady wants to take over the podcast or this one wants to do, I don't know, the book series or whatever, like I'm more power to you. Mm -hmm. So at some point I might start, like I'm already kind of recruiting some people as I go, but you know, I might kind of see where that goes as far as, yeah, recruiting more and more ladies that really love to just talk about travel and horses. <laughs> oh, that is so fantastic. And I just, I, I am just so moved by this conversation and thank you for being on the show today. And I cannot wait to share your message with, with my listeners and spread the word about the wonderful work you're doing. Would you share where people can find out more about you and your books and your podcast channel and YouTube? <laughs> and I'll make sure to link to all those places in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. So the important thing to know is equestrian adventuresses. So if you stumble onto our website, you know, you will find the links to our YouTube channel, or you can go to the Facebook and just type in equestrian adventuresses, come and join the group, and download the podcast on, you know, iTunes or Spotify or whatever. And it's the same with the YouTube channel. It's equestrian adventuresses. I'm the crazy looking lady with some horses. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much like whatever style they prefer, if they prefer books or audio or whatever, like we're there. So, you know, Instagram, Twitter, all this kind of noise. Yeah, I would say definitely the books you can find on Equestrian Adventuresses or on my Amazon author page. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's amazon.com slash author slash Crystal Kelly is my name. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all of the books are there. And like I said, if you want a free copy of the World Travel Guide or the Travel Guide for Equestrians, just, just go to equestrianadventuresses.com. And yeah, and that's it. Oh, it's wonderful. I wish you safe travels and good. And I love how you prepare your horses. The horses always come first. <laughs> Same over here. The horses always have to have a place to go first before we take care of our own needs. That's really special. But yeah, I wish you super safe travels. And thank you for all the great work you're doing and the inspiration you shared here today. And keep me posted. Let's, let's get you back on the show again. And, and we can talk more, maybe more in depth about some of your travel trips. So definitely. Best of luck. Thank you so much for being on the show, Crystal. Thank you very much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle. <laughs>